Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Let's get into God's Word this morning. 1 John chapter 4. I did receive word right before the service started, um, something for you to jot down and keep in your prayers, um, that Armando's brother is uh, rushed to the hospital this morning with some heart issues. Um, we know that the Rodriguez's have been through some a rough time this, um, this year, so definitely keep them in, in our prayers and let's be available for any way that we can serve them. First John chapter 4. I know you just sat down, but we're going to stand up one more time. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. The title of our sermon today is Spiritual Discernment. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This is the word of the living God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time together. Lord, your word says, um, the psalmist pleads with you that you would open his eyes, that he would behold wondrous things from your law. And Lord, that is our prayer this morning, that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your word this morning. Not for the sake of having um, more intellect and more knowledge and more wisdom, but so that we can grow closer to you, Lord. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing before you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Those of you who know me well know that, uh, well, if you've heard me preach before, you've heard me tell this to you all, that I am a big fan of Apple products. As such... There is a particular pair of headphones that most of you have never heard of because you're a normal person and you have a life, Uh, but they're called AirPods, and I had been searching. They are ridiculously expensive, and so I had been searching the Facebook marketplace to try to find a used pair. When I came across a pair one time that was just absurdly 
cheap. It was $100. I know some of you are thinking that's ridiculous. But for this pair of headphones, it's very cheap. It's more than half the price. And I said, wow, this is incredible. And I clicked on the ad and come to find out they were fakes. And it says on the ad, these are replica AirPods. I thought to myself, who in the world would spend $100 on something fake? I know some of you are saying, who would spend $100 on headphones at all? That's a good point. Pray for me and my wife. But who in the world spends that kind of money on fake things? So I did some research, and the Associated Press, they were reporting on what's called the Global Brand Counterfeiting Report of 2018. They stated, and I quote, the amount of total counterfeiting globally has reached $1.2 trillion U.S. dollars. That was 2017 and is bound to reach $1.82 trillion with a T U.S. dollars by the year 2020. I started thinking to myself, the reason why I wouldn't purchase the knockoff, the replica, is because I'm looking for the quality. The reason why I like that particular brand is because of the quality of what they make. But there are some people, and obviously other businesses know this well, who are interested in merely the appearance of owning something. I want people to think that I own a Louis bag. I've heard of Louis bags and Gucci bags, and um, I guess if you want a Pui Vuitton, you can go find one of those. And they are much more affordable than the, the real thing. And when you walk around, people will think, wow, that person has a Louis, not knowing it's a Pui. And that, to some people, is very appealing. Because I want the appearance of owning something. I just don't want to pay full price. Boy, is that not an illustration of the American church today. I want the appearance of having a Christian life. I want the appearance of godliness. I want the appearance of being a religious, pious individual. I want the appearance of salvation. I just don't want to pay the full price of lordship. And that's the reality, is that we have teachers, preachers, pastors all across the nation who just like these companies know that people will come because they just want the appearance. They're not interested in the real thing. And guess what? Business is booming. You can make a lot of money off of the gospel. You can make a tremendous amount of money off of the story of Jesus Christ. Because people want the appearance of They want Jesus as Savior, but we just don't want to pay the full price of having him as Lord. Let us say here at the beginning that you do not have Jesus as Savior without having him as Lord. As Scripture says, if you call upon Jesus as Lord, you shall be saved. It is only upon the person coming to terms with the reality that, no, I don't make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. And I come to terms with that reality and I submit to His Lordship and that is when I come to know Him also as Savior. 
Here in our text this morning, John is dealing with something very similar. There are people who could spot a fake handbag and a fake product from a mile away. And there are people who will take great pains to see if something is authentic or um, fake. But for some reason, when, when it comes to Christian teaching, we're just ready to accept everything now, aren't we? It's much easier just to accept whatever they sell me because, after all, this is a preacher. After all, this is a church. Now, I know that it kind of might seem as though we, we speak about false teachers here a lot. And there's a reason for that. It's because the Bible does. The Bible especially the New Testament, is replete with commands and cautions and warnings to beware of false prophets. There are out there, there are many of them teaching the wrong thing and leading people astray. Geez, this is a great Christmas sermon, isn't it? Yes, it is. Because whenever we learn about the true Jesus, that's when we learn about the true meaning of Christmas. John was very concerned with, with this Too many times we make the mistake of studying the promises and not the warnings. And that leads us astray. J.C. Ryle said it best. It would have been well for the church of Christ if the warnings of the gospel had been studied as much as its promises. And church, that's what we want to do. We want to study the warnings as much as the promises. Because then we can truly enjoy the promises. So we're going to look at, uh, we have four major headings today. If you have your bulletin there in front of you, you already know where we're headed here. We're going to start out looking at this main exhortation that John makes in verse 1. It is the command to practice discernment. Let's read it again. Believe it, believe it, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Here John is doing his usual uh, positive and negative command. He says, don't do this, do this. We've gotten used to seeing John do that all throughout his letter. Don't do this, do this. The way that you do this is not by doing this, but by doing this. All throughout the letter we find that. And here it is again. Don't believe everything, test everything. Don't just believe every preacher, teacher, pastor. Test every preacher, teacher, pastor. Don't just believe everything that you read in Christian um, literature. Don't just believe every devotional that you find on the shelves at Mardell. Test them. That is our command. If you remember me saying before, we've talked about the imperative mood in the Greek. And I know that you might not even like Greek food, and that's fine. We're not interested in, in being scholars in Koine Greek, but we want to understand what, what John's intention with what he was re, uh, writing means. And so what we find is that he was writing this as a command. Beloved, don't you do this. Do this. Beloved, don't be gullible. Test them. Beloved, don't just accept Because he's on TBN, he's telling you the truth. Test what he's saying. Test the spirits. But what's really interesting here is that this is coming off of the heels of 
of John just dealing with the need for, for brotherly love. If you remember last week's section, we were talking about the, the love that Christians have for one another. And it's interesting that now he just immediately jumps into talking about false teaching. Why would that be? It's almost as though he's trying to get out of head of something that so often happens. In the pursuit of, of love, we think that love means being gullible. We think that love means never stepping on somebody's toes. We think that love means never judging, never examining. And granted, there is absolutely a context within which we should not be judgmental. But we are to test the spirits. But see, so many times we confuse that with the command to love. And we think that love means niceness and kindness. And there's an element to that, absolutely. But that's not all that love is. We're told here to test the spirits. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said quite the same thing. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What's so interesting about that imagery is that in the New Testament, Christians are referred to as sheep. So it's, in effect, what's being said there by Jesus is that beware of false prophets who come to you and they look like a Christian. Beware of false prophets who come to you and they appear to be a real believer. John adds, test them. Don't just believe it. Test them. Test the spirits. Test them to see if this teacher really is from God, or if they are inwardly a ravenous wolf? Are they a true sheep, or do they desire to devour sheep? Granted, this does take a little bit of work. This does take real effort. And let us say, let us realize the very first word in chapter 4, verse 1, is beloved. He does not say elders. He does not say apostles, he does not say prophets, he does not say missionaries, he does not say evangelists, he doesn't say church leaders, he doesn't say men, he says beloved. What does that mean? If you are a Christian, this applies to you. Why is that important to point out? Because so many times we think, well, you know, I don't need to take it that seriously. I have a job, I have kids, I got places to go, okay? I'm not going to go test the spirits. But this command is for you and for me. Granted, as the shepherd, the under-shepherd here, there is an extra level of um, importance for me to be watching out for wolves. But certainly for each individual person, as a believer, you are to test the spirits who come to you teaching what is supposed to be the word of God. This word that John uses here, test, It carries the meaning of examining or proving or carefully looking over and inspecting. We understand from that that this is going to take some work. Does this mean you should spend your evenings searching out false prophets? Of course not. But whenever you listen to somebody, test what that person is teaching you. Be a Berean who accepted the word with all eagerness and then went and then searched out the scriptures to see if what they said is true. But why? Why should we do this? Why take 
so much effort. Our second title heading today is, Why Practice Discernment? This is from verse 1 still, section B and C. Let's read it together. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We'll stop right there. This is the first reason that John gives us to practice discernment and test the spirits is to see whether they are from God. Let's use an illustration here. Imagine a man shows up to your place of employment one day and he speaks with your management and they give him permission to set up shop in the break room. He's here to sell insurance to all of the employees. And you go and you're on break and you're eating your Hot Pocket or whatever it is. And he calls you over there, good, good man, good sir, good ma'am, come over here. I have some insurance to talk to you about. During this time of COVID-19, health insurance is coming at an all-time high. It is extremely important to make sure that you have the peace of mind of having health insurance. Do you have health insurance? Well, I mean, I do, but it, uh, you know, I have, it's really expensive, so I have to get the worst plan that we have. I see, I see. Do you have a husband? Yes, I do. Does he have insurance? No, he doesn't. Do you have children? Yes, I have two. Are they covered? Barely. Wow, that's such a sad thing, ma'am. Listen, we have a great plan that is available just today. It gives you health insurance, full coverage, with a very minimal deductible, dental insurance, vision insurance, and because of COVID-19, you want to make sure that you have life insurance. So we have all of this in one exclusive package. It's only available here today. I know your next question is, what's the catch? Here's the catch. It's $25 a month. But you have to pay the six months today. That will cost $150. It's the only catch. And you can walk out of here fully covered with the peace of mind, knowing that your family is taken care of. And you sit there and you think for a moment, wow, this sounds way too good to be true. There is no way it's that cheap. You can't even barely get insurance for your phone that cheap. No way. And you sit and you think, well, just a second. He spoke with the management and they let him be in here today. They gave him permission to be here today. He's got the polo with the logo. He has the lanyard. He has the ID card. All of his paperwork has the company information on it. It has to be real. And so you fork over the money and a couple of months later, you need to go in for a very expensive procedure and you happily hand them your insurance card and they say, I'm sorry, this was declined. You don't have insurance. You think, wait a moment, that can't be. I paid that nice man. And you call the insurance company and they say, yeah, there was a man who didn't actually work with this company and he sold you something that not only did he have any intention of fulfilling, but he didn't even have the ability of fulfilling. I'm sorry. How sick to your stomach and heartbroken will you be in that moment? But so it is whenever we receive teaching from someone who's not from God. There will come a day where we stand before the judgment seat and we will say, here God, here is my ID card of my Christianity. This preacher sold it to me and gave me the assurance that it was real. God will say, that man was not from me. Depart from me, I never knew you. Do you understand the importance of discerning the spirits? This is an eternal, this is of eternal 
importance. You don't want to just receive teaching from any old buddy. Believe me, I feel that weight very much on myself, that I have to make sure that what I teach is from God and not from my own thoughts. Our second reason that John gives us here, he says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's our second reason, is that many false teachers are out in the world and they're deceiving many. It would be bad enough if there was one false prophet who was really good at his job that we really needed to be worried about. But the reality is that there are many false prophets and they are very deceptive and they are very good at luring people away. You'll remember from chapter 2, John teaching that they went out from us because they were never of us. He was talking about people who were lured away by false teaching because these false prophets are very good at deceiving. And there are many of them. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers, not just in the world, but among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. If there were that many problems back then, how much more now that we have the internet? How much more now that there is teaching aplenty every which way you turn? Lubbock has who knows how many churches. If it was a problem then, how much more now? False teachers are out in the world But you know the funny thing about false teachers, they don't ever present themselves as, Hi, I'm a false prophet. I would love to lure you away from the Lord Jesus Christ and entice you with my secret destructive heresies. How does that sound? That's not what happens ever. What happens is that they bring it, they package it in something that is so near and close to the real thing that you say, You know what? It sounds too good to be true, but look. They're in a church. They have best-selling books. They have a a congregation of 10,000 plus. They're on Larry King Live. They're, They're all over the place. There's no way that this could be fake. If it was fake, people would be calling it out. And people are. Just on probably on YouTube channels that you don't watch. They're everywhere. And this is why, no matter who it is, whether it's Stephen Furtick, or Stephen Lawson, whether it's Joel Osteen or John MacArthur, whether it's Bill Johnson or Charles Spurgeon, or whether it's me or somebody else who you have known that you have grown up with all your life, a local pastor that's near and dear to your heart, it doesn't matter who it is. We all must stand up to the scrutiny of the Word of God. Test what you hear, even when you hear it here. That rhymed a lot. Everyone who preaches God's word must stand up to the scrutiny of God's word on their teaching. So now that we understand the importance, how do we do this? How do we test the spirits? It's a very good question. Our third major heading is the most important question. Who do you say Jesus is? Look at verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. This is the all-important question. Who is Jesus? Turn to Matthew chapter 16 with me. Matthew chapter 16. And we'll see, we're not just making this question up. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. I hope you're there. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Notice, their responses are really, really good. John the Baptist baptized tons of people, who knows how many. Elijah did incredible works of God. Jeremiah carried the weight and was burdened for the apostasy of Israel. These are good compliments here. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, a lot of people have a lot of nice things to say about Jesus. But we aren't after nice things about Jesus. We're after the the truth about who he is. They thought very highly of him, just not high enough. We don't come to know the Son of the living God by pleasantries, but by confessing the truth about who he is. And this is a trademark of a false teacher, is that they will always skew in some way, shape, form, or fashion who Jesus is. They will lessen his importance or they will raise something else to be as important as Jesus is. I heard a man say one time that God tithed Jesus. That God gave Jesus as a tithe. My friends, that is to lessen Jesus, the person of Jesus, to an unfathomable level. People like this is what we are being cautioned of. This is the the test that Jesus gave the disciples that we all get and that we need to test teachers with is who do you say Jesus is? Who is he? Tell me about him. Tell me the gospel. All of the wrong answers here seemed like compliments. So he asked them more directly, who do you say that I am? This is the all-important question that we all must answer the same way that Peter did. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was staring at a man, a real person, a soul wrapped in flesh. Yet he understood that this wasn't just any old man. This was divinity incarnate. This is God 
in the flesh. This is the offspring of the Most High God. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the confession that all true believers hear, receive, believe, and then teach. Jesus shows us that this confession isn't revealed by men. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that's exactly what John is saying here, is that you know that you're from God if you are confessing the truth about Jesus. You know that you have the spirit of Antichrist within you if you are saying lies about Jesus. It really is that black and white. It really is that simple in the writing of John. And let's bear in mind that he is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Further, this is not merely intellectual information. It's not simply having historical data in your memory. This is a supernatural work of God in your heart that reveals the truth about who Jesus is. That's exactly what he was saying in Matthew chapter 16. So what are we saying when we say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Let's take it piece by piece. Jesus was his name. It was his personal name as he was the person of Jesus walking on this earth. Jesus shows us that he was truly man. Jesus was a historical figure who actually lived and breathed here on the earth. Christ, he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. We've talked about Christos in the Greek. means the anointed one, the Messiah. That's what he's saying when you are Jesus Christ. All throughout the Old Testament, we see prophecies that God would send an anointed one who would take away the sins of his people. And that's what you are saying when you say Jesus Christ. You are saying that that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, who is the anointed one who had the power to take sins away. Has come in the flesh. This puts these two things together. It shows us that Jesus was truly man and truly God. He was fully man and he was fully God as he walked on this earth. Be very careful. That is a major place where a lot of false teachers will take you off into the deep end and say that Jesus was not God as he walked this earth. Run from people like that. Because he did come in the flesh is what John is saying. This Jesus who is the Christ, this man from Nazareth who was truly man and truly God really did live, breathe, and live out the perfect requirements of the Mosaic law. He really did go to the cross and bear the sins of his people. He really did die under the weight of the wrath of God. He really was buried and resurrected. And he really is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the confession that Christians make. And to not make this to confession is to prove that not only do you have some things wrong, but you are from the Antichrist. That's a big charge. And that's why we don't want to make it errantly. We want to examine and test. Test the spirits that come to you. 
This is why we preach Christ crucified here at New Life Baptist Church. Because it is only this true confession of who Jesus is and what He has done that will save you. It is only that confession that brings dead men to life, turns sinners into saints, and reconciles rebellious people back to the living God. Thus, if you're listening to a particular teacher or preacher, and he teaches you something wrong about Jesus, run the other way and don't look back. Why? We know that we are from God if we preach the truth about the Son of God. And we know who is from the Antichrist by the lies that they teach about Christ. It's really that simple. Our last major heading, we're going to examine the two types of people that hear these messages. The two audiences in verses 4 through 6. Let's read it one more time. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There are two audiences. One audience that has overcome, and the others who will succumb. The first ones we're going to examine are the ones who will succumb to the false teaching. John writes in verse 5 that they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. According to this verse, we should not be surprised when we see false teachers rise to the forefront of evangelicalism. It should not be a surprise to us when we see false teachers gaining popularity. Why? Because they are from the world and the world listens to them. And the world loves it. And the world eats it up. John 15, Jesus says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But you're not from the world. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers, to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. In other words, as John says it here, these false teachers are so well received because the people who listen to it are seeking exactly that kind of teaching. They want to hear that kind of teaching. I don't care if it's not fake. I just want the perception that I'm a Christian. I just want the perception of salvation without paying the price of having him as Lord. The world loves to see the celebrity pastor with his designer jeans, suave, empty sermonizing, and hesitancy to stand for any form of objective truth. The world loves to see a man who preaches a Jesus that allows them to have him as Savior without needing him as Lord. The world loves it when you tell them that all that you need to do is to follow Jesus. Add a little bit of Jesus to your life and he'll unlock the treasure chest of heaven and pour you out every material blessing you've ever desired. The world loves it when you preach of a Jesus who doesn't put any restrictions on how you live. 
You can be homosexual. You can be adulterous. You can be greedy. You can be jealous. You can be addicted to every vice known to man. And God will pat you on the back and applaud as you enter into heaven. The world loves that kind of teaching. And so when you see it gaining popularity, now you know why. Because the world loves it. These people are of the world, and so they reject the true message of the truth. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. These natural worldly people will call true Bible-believing Christians fundamentalists, extremists, Pharisees, religious zealots, and so on and so on. Why? Because they are of the world and they cannot discern things of the Spirit. In reality, what they do in that moment is confess that they are of the world and that they cannot receive what is truly taught in Scripture because they have not been born again and given the Holy Spirit who would lead them into the truth. John offers those of us who hold fast to the truth and as such are in the other group of people in the audience, some very powerful encouragement. Look at verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Why and how have you overcome them? Why has God led you into sound teaching? Why has this happened? Because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Further, you understand that the spirit that you have residing in you is greater than anything that these people are selling. You don't need their promises of material blessing because you have Jesus. You don't need their promise that nothing's ever going to go wrong in your life because even if it does, you have Jesus. You don't need their promises of popularity and people are going to love you if you just do this, that, and the other because you have Jesus. You don't need to follow a works-based salvation. Why? Because you have Jesus and greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Praise God for that. And that's what we're thankful for on this Christmas, isn't it? The other more fundamental reason is that you have believed in the truth unto salvation. In other words, you have heard the truth about Christ. You have believed in the truth about Christ. And you are now being transformed by the truth from Christ. The power of this spirit of truth at work within you is such that you are now said to have overcome them past tense. Isn't that marvelous? You have overcome them. Doesn't it sometimes not feel that way though? Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And again in verse 37 No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 
more than conquerors. If God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This is the language that the inspired writers of the Holy Scriptures use in reference to the children of God. My friends, why would you go anywhere else? Exactly as the disciples said. Where would we go? Because you have the words of life. Evidence that this is true of you is that you will be led into truth. You might be able to appoint to a time when you were deceived by false teachers, but if you can say that the Lord has awakened you to the lies that you were hearing and led you into truth, my friend, that is only happening because the Spirit of God resides in you and is at work within you, and that is enough reason for you to praise and worship the Lord any day of the week. John says, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. The us there is the apostolic us. In other words, what we have and call as the scriptures. We have no fear of false teachers. Avoid them. Test them. Cling to the truth about Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and grow in it. Reject any portrait of Jesus that is not drawn from the pages of Holy Scripture. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit at work in the lives of believers, leading us into truth, not to fill our heads with um, facts and statistics, but to fill our hearts with the knowledge of God. Lord, we thank you for this work and we pray that it would continue. We pray that we would grow in our submission to your work in our hearts and in our lives, that we may draw closer to you, to know you more, and to worship you more deeply. Please go with us, lead us, and guide us, and be glorified as we celebrate Christmas this this week. We pray for this in your holy name. Amen. Merry Christmas. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.